We're starting a new series, The Songs of Christmas. This is a, a great time as we celebrate the birth of Christ. Amen? And, uh, and I want to back, I want to talk about another baby that was born 10 years ago uh, on July 22nd, 2013. Uh, how many of you remember when Prince George, the first royal baby in years, were born? Anybody remember that? Anybody like, I had no idea. <laughs> right? I had no idea. Well, let me just say, when that happened, the world had baby fever. It was going on. Like a royal baby was born. There were camera crews like out in front of whatever castle. Oh, yeah, I do have a picture right there. Waiting to get the first glimpse of the new baby. He's 10 years old uh, now, but back then it was a big deal. Uh, the morning shows in America were only reporting about this instead of the news that actually mattered to us. Right? They're talking about that. It was a, it was a big thing. And I just want to say, I'm going to get on my little horse here for a minute. I'm not a big fan of the royals. I don't really have anything against them. I hope they know Christ. Uh, but honestly, I'm not really worked up. I don't care about their family. That has no bearing on my life, right? How about you? I've got more things to be concerned about than what's going on with some family in England. Anybody agree with me? Uh, I'm just going to tell you, I don't really care what's going on with the drama with Harry and Meghan, what somebody said about her, uh, they don't like me, maybe they do like me, I don't, you know, whatever. King Charles, I mean, really, what is he the king of? Right? It's, he's just, it's all a title. Colleen and I haven't watched The Crown, not worried about it, because we live here, where? In California. And as far as I know, the only kings and queens happen at high school homecomings. Isn't that true? I mean, I assume, do they still do that here? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. Uh, but for some reason, people get so worked up, they're so interested. I don't understand the American fascination with another country where we're talking. George's birth had over 2 million mentions on Twitter, which is now known as what? X. Uh, at its height, in one every minute, there were 25,300 posts about him. Every minute. That's ridiculous. The hashtag royal baby was used 900,000 times in one day. Like, who really cares? The Brits spent over $300 million on Prince George baby uh, party supplies. Come on, paper plates and all, $300 million. Think about that. I mean, like, they're having parties all over England for Prince George. And guess who's not coming to that party? Prince George isn't going to that party. They're just having a party about him. And, and let me just say, I didn't understand it. What I can understand is if they got worked up about these two babies. Yeah, oh, you know what? I'm a good pastor and a good grandpa because somehow these new babies that were born on Tuesday worked their way into my message. All right? And uh, so just so you know, this is Asher James. He was uh, four pounds, four ounces. And Eden Marie, she's four pounds, 12 ounces. I don't know what they're at at the moment. But I could also get excited about a baby born last month, Judah John. So he is uh, twice the size of both of our, he's the weight of both of them. But he's a month old now. That's Pastor Timothy's uh, third. And you know what? Let me just go back in time about other babies I'm excited about. This is Abby when she was uh, only one, and Levi when he was born. Now they run, and they're, uh, they're crazy around her. I can get behind those, right? 
Some of you guys can get excited about that too because you know what? You know us. You know their babies. And, uh, uh, but I don't expect them to be mentioned on Twitter two million times. We didn't walk out of the hospital. There were not cameras uh, focused on there. But this baby born in England, the world went crazy, which is very different from the birth of Jesus. All right, completely different. He wasn't born a prince, but guess what? He was born king of kings. All right, he was born a king. His birth didn't trend on Twitter, didn't dominate the news cycle in Jerusalem. In fact, most people didn't even know he was born. Like, oh, like some baby somewhere, they didn't have, there was no parade. He wasn't born in a big city. He wasn't born in Rome. He wasn't born in Jerusalem. A small village outside Jerusalem of Bethlehem. He didn't get a golden crib in a palace. He was uh, in a feeding trough for animals. That's what he got delayed in. No parades, no vigils, no cameras, no baby showers, no front page uh, news. But guess what? It wasn't a secret either. Because the angels announced to the shepherds in the field that there's a baby. There was a star that led the wise men on a long journey in order to find it. So it, it may not have been big news, but how many of you know it was good news? Yeah. Amen. There's a difference there. I'm going to be looking in Luke chapter 2. Amazingly, that's where the story is. And, uh, and it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Wouldn't you have been? Middle of the night, watching your sheep, dark, you know, listening for wolves or whatever, but then all of a sudden the bright lights come, and an angel shout. I'd be a little scared. But they said, don't be afraid, because we're bringing you what? Good news. Good news. Good news. This is such an important announcement, because... In that day, at that time, Emperor Augustus was ruling. What was said about him, it said that the good news came when Augustus came because he brought peace to the area. Many of the Roman people called him a savior. In fact, they said that the day of his birth was the birth of a god. This is a Roman Emperor Augustus. It's like, seriously? Uh, they said that's the beginning of good news. That's the Roman version of a savior. Aren't you glad we have one that's greater than that? Amen. Amen. Knowing that context makes this announcement even more meaningful. The angels announced the arrival of somebody far better than any kind of earthly ruler. It says, don't be afraid, they said. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Other versions say the Messiah, the Redeemer, far better than any ruler, better than any president, better than any uh, earthly ruler that there is. And let me just say, as far as we know, the shepherds, they're out in the field. They're not out there looking for a Savior. What are they doing? They're just watching sheep, making sure a wolf doesn't come in and get them. That's all they were doing. And uh, we don't know why the message came to the shepherds first. A lot of people have speculated because they were just the average, probably the bottom. Uh, you know, nobody would go to the shepherds first. They were like the most despised, but God revealed it to them first. And so the angels tell them, don't be afraid. Uh, a savior is born. And he says this, this will be a sign to you. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. 
Now, Christmas time, how many of you guys have traditions? Anybody? Certain traditions you like to do, making parties with fudge. I love it when the fudge comes out on Christmas time. Does anybody got their favorite fudge recipe? Feel free to bring some up here. See if I can get even bigger. Christmas trees with ornaments, we start seeing those. And I just want to put this in there. If you hear somebody quoting some Old Testament verse about uh, trees being pagan, that's a true verse, but it has nothing to do with Christmas trees. So sometimes we make connections where there's not connections. But anyway, that comes out. I just had to throw it out there. Christmas time involves trips to see family or family coming to see you. How many of you would prefer them to come see you? Some of you are like, no, I want to visit that way. I can leave when I have to. Amen. All right, you know what I mean. Uh, favorite TV shows, movies. Anybody got a favorite Christmas movie they like? Come on, tell me. Them. Christmas, story. Christmas Story, I heard that one. What was that? Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. Oh, come on, that's a good one. What, did I hear someone else? It's a Wonderful Life. That's my wife's favorite, but I always tell people, don't get your theology from that. But it's a good show. It's a good movie. Huh? The Christmas Carol. Come on, Scrooge. That's a, don't get your theology from that one either. So uh, a lot of them out there. A lot of good movies. We like watching them over and over again, don't we? It's like, oh, you've seen this 20 times. Yeah, but guess what? I'm going to watch it again. All right? We, we love that. All of, those, all of that stuff is fine. But listen, friends, we can't forget the real meaning of Christmas. Amen? The one thing that is most important is that good news of Jesus Christ. And I love that the angel said, this is good news of great joy for... There you go. Where's it at? Great news that will be for all the people. All the people. The angel wasn't just making a birth announcement. You realize that, right? Wasn't just saying, doo-doo-doo, here's a new baby being born. He was actually announcing an entire new theology that was foreign to the Jewish people. The theology was that God was coming down in the form of a man, and he was going to pay for their sins. So this was a whole new plan of God. That's why we have an Old Testament. The New Testament is God's new plan, his new covenant with mankind, that now we don't have to sacrifice animals in order to have a temporary cleansing. Jesus is going to pay for it once and for all. So that was quite an announcement. And what he was saying is that Jesus is for everybody. Everybody, not just the Jewish people. And yes, uh, the Jewish people were waiting for the good news, weren't they? They were under oppression by the Roman rulers. They were taxed way more than you and I could ever think about being taxed. Life was very difficult. And so they were waiting for the Messiah to come. The Messiah is good news for everybody, not just for the Jews. And so the angel changed everything. Understand that Jesus was for there for uh, those that are free. He's there for uh, his children. He's there for everybody. And it doesn't matter who you are. How many of you know Jesus is for black people, white people, Latino people, African people, European people, Native American people, Asian people? How many of you know he's there for everyone? Right? Rich people, poor people, those of you that are in the middle of that, governors, senators, janitors, cab drivers, uh, all of those American citizens. How many of you know undocumented workers he's still for? Right? Yeah, they're not some second class person. Jesus came for old people, for young people, for those of us that find themselves somewhere in the middle of that, still claiming that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
whoever it is, Republicans, Democrats, he is there for us. Amen. And so it wasn't just the Jews that were longing for a savior. The whole world has been crying out for that. This is very specific. He didn't just come for all of us. How many of you know he came for you? He came for each one of you. I, I think we need to make that more of a personal thing. The Jews needed a savior, yes, but not only that, why do I need a savior? Why do you need a savior? The Bible says uh, heaven is a perfect place. No sorrow, no sadness, no uh, sickness, no death, no pain, no pressure. How many of you know no cilantro? You guys know my, uh, my feeling about that. It's a, it's a place of absolute perfection, which means the only way that you and I can get to heaven is to be perfect. That's the only way to get there. No other, you, you can't, if, you're gonna, if you can't live a perfect way, let me just say this way. If God let imperfect people into heaven, how many of you realize it wouldn't be perfect? How many of you have ever heard there's not a perfect church? I'm just looking for, and then the, the joke kind of goes on, well, if you go to it, it's no longer perfect. Let me just say, if anybody goes to it, it's not perfect. I don't care if it's just the pastor or the worship leader, whoever it is, uh, that ruins it right there. So the Bible says that it's perfect, so there's only two ways to get to heaven. I'm not preaching a new theology. Here's the first one. You've got to be perfect if you want to get there. That's one avenue. Right? Nothing wrong with that. If you've never sinned in your life, if you've never had a bad thought in your life, if you've never said a wrong thing in your life, if you've never hurt anybody intentionally or unintentionally your entire life, wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, what that would be like is if you were a baseball player and every time you went to bat, you hit the ball. That, you would bat a 1,000 every time. Anybody ever see a baseball player with that kind of score? If you're in basketball, you never missed a, shot, missed a shot, you could turn around with your eyes closed, throw it over the back of your head, and it would go in every time. That would be awesome, right? If you were bowling, that means that you would bowl a 300 every time, a strike. You'd get tired of watching that person eventually, right? If you were uh, playing golf, anybody like playing golf here? A few people. And you went to play 18 holes, that means that your score would be 18. Anybody liking that idea? Uh, whatever it is. How about driving? You never uh, went even a mile an hour over the speed limit. You stopped at every stop sign your entire life. Uh, you always used your blinker every single time. Uh, in school, you never missed a question on any test whatsoever, ever. That's perfect right there. So if by some chance you happen to live that kind of a perfect life, no matter what, you are flawless, and then you died and you stood before God, and God says, why should I let you into heaven? And you say, well, I've lived a perfect life. Right? God would say, well, you're the only one, so come on in. Right? But how many of you realize, for the rest of us, uh, we lost that chance a long time ago. Amen? We lost that a long time ago. And God understood that, so that's one way. God realized, I need to make another way possible for people to make it to heaven. Because nobody's going to make the first way. And so what he did, he goes, since none of you are perfect and you can't earn your way into heaven, I'm going to come to earth in the form of a baby, and I'm going to live the perfect life that you weren't able to do, and then one day I'm going to die on a cross and pay for your sin and rise from the dead. And if you will put your trust in me, then I'm going to let you into heaven based on my goodness, not on yours. Based on his righteousness, amen? 
And so I love this quote by an author. He says, if our greatest need, oh, where am I at here? If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, God would have sent us an accountant. If our greatest need would have been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So what did God do? He sent us a Savior. God came to earth as a man to ordinary people, for you, for myself, for anybody that would call on his name. The only way that we can have a Savior, how many of you realize, is that we have to realize we need a Savior? Right? If you don't recognize it in your own life, then why are you going to reach out? I remember seeing a bumper sticker that was kind of mocking Christianity, and it had like the little fish on it, but it was upside down, but it said, Save from what? Like, they don't think they need to be. I'm basically a good person. If you think you're okay, you're never going to reach out to God. Luke chapter 5 says this, uh, I have come to call those who, uh, not those who think they are righteous, but those that know they are sinners and need to repent. That's who God has called. And, And last week I shared this verse because all of us need God. I shared Romans 3, 23. It said, for everyone sin and has fallen short of God's standard. We understand that, right? But I wanted to expound and go to the next verse this week. I love this. Yet God, in His grace, makes us right. That means making us perfect. Right? We couldn't get there on our own. But God makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sin. How many of you know that's good news? That's why the angels announced, I've got good news for all people. God made us right. So Jesus is God's gift to you and I. Amen? To the entire world. That's why we sing songs like Joy to the World. Right? It's for everybody so that we could all have uh, uh, that greatest promise. It's found in John chapter 3, 16. Anybody ever hear that one? For God what? That he gave his only... Amen. Let me give it to you out of the the Passion Translation. I just like it. It says, For this is how much God loved the world. He gave His one and only unique Son as a gift. Isn't that cool? He gave us as a gift so that now everyone who believes in Him will never perish, which means separated from God, but experience everlasting life. In verse 17, God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world and condemn the world, but to be its Savior and rescue it. Listen, that is the Christmas story. God sent Jesus to pay the price for you to be for your Savior. How many of you realize, for Christmas, all you need is Jesus? Isn't that true? Oh, but I want a new gaming system, or I want this, or I want that. Those are okay, but how many of you know you need Jesus? I know Mariah Carey sings a song, All I Want for Christmas is You, and she's talking about some dude. How many of you know what you need is Jesus, right? What our world needs is Jesus. So how do we do it? It's very simple. We have to accept Jesus. We have to, you know, the scripture says to, if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just and will forgive us. So if we confess Jesus uh, and believe in our hearts, how many of you know we are saved? Amen? It's really, it really is that simple to make that statement of faith. And, and if you're here today and you've not made a commitment uh, to Jesus, you want that gift, maybe that gift is sitting on the table. How many of you know it's just going to sit there until you go up and grab it and, and, and hang on to it? 
So we've got to reach out to Jesus. He's already reached out to us. And, and so I just want to take a moment in the middle of this message and just have everybody bow your head. Listen, if you've not made a commitment or maybe you want to make a fresh commitment to Jesus, if that's you, I'm not going to make you come up here. But can you just raise your hand and then put it back down and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Amen. Amen. I see a couple hands. Let's, can we just uh, say this prayer together? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus as a gift for me to pay for my sin and make me right in your sight. I commit my life to you, Jesus. Forgive me of all unrighteousness and accept me into your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It really is that simple, isn't it? If you really meant that from your heart, let me tell you, God, God writes your name down in that book of life. Amen. So uh, let's, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for people that made the. And it doesn't matter if it's a fresh commitment or kind of a renewed commitment. How many of you know sometimes we need those renewing moments in our life? Amen. So uh, let's move on with the story here. Verse 15, then when the angels had left them and uh, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and check this thing out, right? Let's see what the angels told us uh, concerning them. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby that was lying in the manger. They had seen, and then what did they do? They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So remember, Jesus is for everybody. That is good news. And our assignment is the same assignment that the shepherds had, and that is to share the good news. That is what we are called to do. Christmas is always about, you know, we hear the same stories over and over again. We seem to sing the same songs over again. Uh, we watch some of the same movies. We already listed some of those. We like eating some of the same foods. Uh, it's like there's something about things that are familiar, that are comfortable, that, that we do over and go. It's the same thing with the story of Jesus. Because if you came to church today, as I'm talking about Christmas stories, if you thought there was going to be a new ending to the Christmas story, that Pastor Scott's going to whip out something different, how many of you know I'm not? Good. <laughs> Good. It's the same story. I don't care if you went to church 200 years ago, it's still the same story, and it stays that way. It doesn't change. But I do believe that the impact continues to grow. The impact of this story keeps going, and we can't lose the story of Christmas. I don't know if you realize it, but we live in a world where our school districts are not doing Christmas songs about Jesus anymore. Jingle bells, Rudolph, Christmas tree, whatever it is, they're not talking about Jesus anymore. You go into a lot of the stores now, they're playing Christmas songs, but none of the ones about Jesus. So we have people, we have a generation that is growing up right now that might know, oh yeah, I saw something about a baby and Jesus, I don't really know anything. They don't know the Christmas story. How are they going to know it unless we tell it? Unless we tell them. Listen, like, like I said a minute ago, that's why we have our Christmas drive through that's starting. Uh, people are going to actually hear, starting from the prophecy in Isaiah, they're going to hear all about the story of Jesus until it gets to the cross. We don't stop at the manger. How many of you know the story of Jesus doesn't stop at Christmas? 
It goes all the way to Easter where he died on the cross and where he's coming again. And as people are leaving, we've got the last thing that says hope. Uh, we want to see people get hope again. Amen. So we want them to know about the story of Jesus. We need to share it. We need to bring people to church this Christmas. You realize that, amen? We need to, if they won't come to church, at least invite them. Hey, listen, you need to come through our church's drive-thru. It's really cool. We got all kinds of lights. Tune it to the radio station, 102.7. And every 10 minutes, the story repeats, and they're going to be able to hear the story. So tell them about that. Share everywhere you go. Uh, to your friends everywhere you get a chance. So I, let me just let me just kind of transition. How many of you know the rich part of our heritage in America? And some of the songs that we sing that you may be surprised about that they, they were written by African American slaves. How many of you know there's a lot of songs in the church? They were called spirituals. They were sung by the slaves to remind themselves that there is hope for a better future beyond their lives in slavery. There was something better out there. The songs were influenced by their African origins, but also the very nature of the slavery itself that they were in. And, and they were spiritual devotions to God, uh, God yearning for freedom from bondage. And, uh, and, and not only that, it was kind of a way to release the emotion that they were in. The first songs that they would sing for, for many years, they weren't even written down. They were just passed down from generation to generation as they were out in their fields laboring and uh, in a world with horrible circumstances, they weren't out in the field cursing, they were singing these songs. And uh, some of you guys know some of them. How, how many of you have heard Swing Low, Sweet Chariot? That was one of those songs. How about, were you there when, you cru when they crucified my Lord? Some of you guys know that. This train is bound for glory, right? Or give me that old time religion. All of those songs, uh, they were written there. So this song that we're about to sing, it was first published uh, probably in the late 1800s, but it had already been around for decades. And it started, it was a song of celebration, a song of deliverance that started in some field, uh, working the, the cotton fields or whatever it is. You could hear this song begin to play as, uh, as they began to cry out for hope. And I believe knowing the origin of this song makes it even more powerful to understand that it were people that were under oppression and bondage and slavery, and they were excited about the coming of a Savior. So if you guys can stand with me, we're going we're gonna to sing this. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching, or Everywhere go, 
tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Jesus came, right? Can't you tell that when the the passion, when you realize where you're at and you get a savior, there's something to rejoice about. If we think that we're pretty good people, then you're not going to rejoice about that. And our assignment is to do exactly like the shepherds did and share the good news everywhere. People need to know this. And I know that they may say, oh, I know it. But do you really know it? At Christmas, people, do you realize that this time of year, people are more receptive to hear the gospel. They're more likely to come to church now than any other time. Even people that never come to church, if you will invite them, can I tell you, you have a higher percentage of them coming. And I want to encourage us as we start this month out, we have a chance. We have an opportunity to get the good news of Jesus out. Over these next three weeks, I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. And I read this survey, which really inspired me. So it's right over there. Among Americans who do not attend church at Christmas time, if you know someone, if you invite them, you have a high, you got a 57% chance that they're going to come with you than any other time. Amen. How many of you know that's a big deal? Uh, we can put signs out and invite people, uh, but that doesn't do near as much as a personal invitation from a person. Can you imagine? That means if you go and invite 100 people, that means 57 people are probably going to show up. I mean, that's a big deal. Think about this. On the average, our church, we've been running about 100, 120 or so. If everybody just invited three people, that means that we could see about 170, 180 new faces show up on Christmas time. Do you know what? How many of you? That would be 300 people here between the two different services that we have. Do you know what you would call that? 
Revival. Who said that? I heard somebody say it. Revival. Right? If all of a sudden all that, and I know a lot of people will come and then they won't show up again, but I want to tell you, some will come. And they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear the good news of Jesus. And quite possibly, that seed will be planted and they'll give their life to the Lord this, this Christmas. Amen? What a better thing to do. And listen, revival is not just something we pray about. Does anybody pray? God, I want to see revival. Anybody? All right, let me see some hands. How many of you have prayed for that? Maybe not this week, but you prayed for that. Listen, revival is not just something we pray about. How many of you know we got to do something about it? There's something God has called us. If you were a farmer and you had a wheat field out in the field and, and you were in your barn and you needed to harvest that, would you just sit inside your barn and say, Oh God, would you send a mighty wind and uproot all of that wheat and blow it into my barn? Would we do that? How many of you know Jesus said, lift up our eyes, the field is white and ready to harvest. That means that we've got to take that opportunity and, and just simply, you know, we've got these invite cards out in the foyer, just simply inviting somebody, hey, listen, would you come? Would you uh, be my guest this Easter? And, uh, and I know I've got a few of our board members. I didn't clear this with them, so uh, I'm sure that they're going to be okay with this. But if you invite somebody, invite them to lunch. Say, hey, listen, I want you to come to church, and I'm going to take you out to lunch. What I'm suggesting is if you can't afford to pay for somebody else's meal, because how many of you know it's expensive these days? And then the food's only eh, anyway. But I want to encourage you, if you can't afford it, do it anyway. Bring the receipt, and we will pay for your guest meal. All right? How many of you know it is worth that kind of an investment? It's worth that kind of investment to invest into other people. And you got, who am I going to invite? You may be saying, who, who is there that I can invite? How many of you got family members that live close by that need to know Jesus? Right? Several hands. How many, uh, invite them. Say, hey, listen, come with me this, come with me to the Christmas service. If you don't come any other time, come with that. Anybody have neighbors that need to know Jesus? I know I, my hand's up. I got them on the left and right of me that need to know. How do I invite my neighbors? What about making a plate of cookies and giving them an invite and say, hey, listen, can you be my guest this Christmas? So our co-workers, we work with people, places you visit on a regular basis. You know, you go to a restaurant, Subway or wherever, the person that does your hair, uh, invite them. Because this is what we have been called to do. This is a, we receive the gifts. How many of you know the greatest gift is receiving Jesus? The second greatest gift is being able to give Jesus to somebody else. Because I don't know if you realize that we live in a world that is lacking hope. We live in a world where there's broken relationships, broken marriages, just broken depression. Uh, people need to have that weight of sin lifted off of them. And you and I, if you have Christ then we have something to offer them. And just inviting them, like I said, even if they wouldn't come, try to get them to come to the drive-thru. Whatever it is, how many of you know that's really how a church grows? That's really how it happens. So that's my challenge to you. And, and we're going to wrap it up by singing this song one more time. And uh, take that as a commission. Take that from uh, these uh, slaves 150 years ago that were excited about the coming of the Lord and they would sing this song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And, and I thought this was cool. We happen to live in the foothills by the mountains. Right? So it's saying, go to, go to El Dorado Hills, go to, go to Placerville, go to Cameron Park, Rescue, Pollock Pines, wherever it is. 
go tell people that Jesus Christ is born. Amen. So let's stand up and we will sing this one more time and then I'm going to pray over you.